Earlier today in Washington, D.C., another career politician said something really, really stupid. Officials are concerned that ignorance and stupidity has blatantly crossed party lines and unfortunately has made its way to those appointed by elected officials as well. You don't say. Now back to your regularly scheduled programming. You have just entered Liberty Lighthouse, where we cut through the fog with common sense and logic. Coming to you from Pennsylvania, the state of independence. Here he is, U.S. Navy veteran, author of the book, Progress, Really? And your freedom-loving host, Peter Seraphine. Welcome to Liberty Lighthouse. I am the keeper of the Liberty Lighthouse, your beacon of common sense, your wiki, if you will, Peter Seraphine. I urge you to join this conversation by calling 64 My Rights, that's 646 974 4487, and go to liberty lighthouse.com, sign up to be a member. Now, let's start the show. Today, we're here to talk about the federal budget. I have been planning an episode talking about the federal budget and specifically about the concept of a balanced budget for quite a while. But in the news recently, I have uh, more reason to do it now. The federal deficit of the United States of America just hit $23 trillion. That's trillion with a T. Not only did the federal deficit just hit $23 trillion, but a $1.4 trillion omnibus spending bill was just dropped on the Senate three days before they're supposed to vote on it. That doesn't sound like that big of a deal, right? Three days to to uh, review a bill before you vote on it. Except for that bill is 2,314 pages long. Three days. 2,300 pages to be reviewed and analyzed and voted on in three days. Senator Ted Cruz just posted a pretty, in my opinion, Just brilliant video about this particular spending bill on Facebook. I highly recommend that you search for Senator Ted Cruz's Facebook page and and for this particular video about this spending bill. Uh, Really good stuff. You know what? Never mind. I'm just going to play it so that you can hear it right now. Christmas came early in Washington for lobbyists. Lobbyists who are bankrupting this country. While you were with your family, while you were shopping for Christmas, the lobbyists were spending and spending. I present to you the massive omnibus bill that Congress is voting on. Tomorrow the Senate will vote on this. 2,313 pages dropped on us the day before yesterday. Nobody's read it. There isn't a person alive who has read this piece of garbage. But it was put together in the dark of the night with Republican leadership and Chuck Schumer cutting a deal. So in this 2,313 pages, what is it? Well, we don't know everything. That's the first minute or so out of a about a six-minute video that I really recommend you look for. Uh, what's interesting about it is it has the 2,313-page document sitting on a table that you can look at. And what he does next is he goes through and tells us some of the things that are and are not in the bill. Of course, things that 
uh, do or do not fit his personal opinions and his personal agendas. But the idea of a 2,313-page bill that they have three days to review is just ridiculous. The original point of this episode was to point out how broken our budget process really is, how bad our federal financing system has become broken. This is just a bit of fortuitous timing that Congress came out with this ridiculous bill, and that news just happened to report that we hit $23 trillion in debt right when I was already planning on doing this episode of Liberty Lighthouse. So the rest of the show, we're going to talk about how a budget is done in the federal government, what all is involved. We're going to talk about our own national economy a little bit as compared to the rest of the world. And we're going to talk about we the people and our opinions of the federal budget. And we're also going to talk about some of the Well, I was going to say some of the successes and failures of the federal budget system, but we're going to talk about some of the failures of the federal budget system and the occasional success. Our country, the United States of America, has had the world's largest economy since 1871. In the 148 years since 1871, we have racked up $23 trillion in debt. and. Some reports suggest that we will have another trillion dollars added to our deficit in 2020. The Congressional Budget Office says that debt has grown by roughly 15% in the first three years of the Trump presidency, and also predicts that at the same spending levels, our budget deficit will swell by 43% by the end of fiscal 2024. By no means am I blaming President Trump for being the only one that spends money or anything like that. Both parties spend our budget. Our budget deficit, our our national debt, goes up regardless of whether it's a Democrat or a Republican in the White House. The federal debt increased by 36% under the Clinton years, uh, also 36% under George W. Bush, and uh, 84% under President Obama. Both parties spend. Make that very clear. Neither of our two major political parties in our country are fiscally responsible at all anymore. A little piece of trivia for you. In the 243 years that the United States of America has been a country, we have been debt-free a grand total of once for two years. 1835 and 1836 Under President Andrew Jackson, our country was debt-free. That had never happened before, and has never happened again since, and will never happen if we allow our government to keep doing what it's doing now. Right now, interest alone on our national debt is nearly a half a trillion dollars a year, and it is the fastest growing portion of the federal budget. So let's look at the process itself. The definition of a budget is an estimate of income and expenditure for a set period of time. Well, our federal government and most of the people that report on our federal government refer to just the spending bills as a budget. Our federal government never looks at the income and expenses at the same time. Therefore, 
it's not really a budget. It's a tax plan and a spending plan that are never compared. So what's the budget process within our government? Well, there's a tax bill. Normally, the president produces what he wants to see in a tax bill, and then the House and the Senate hack it all up and do whatever they want to it. By the time it's all done, we end up with the tax code that's, I don't know, two or 3,000 pages long with tens of thousands of pages that are trying to explain the tax code. I've said before, I don't think Congress should be passing any law or any code that can't be understood by the average person. If it's got tens of thousands of pages of explanatory documents, it can't be understood by the average person. Personally, I think our tax code should probably be under 5,000 words and be something to the effect of that if you make X amount of money, then you pay X amount of taxes. I don't think there should be any discrepancy between income, capital gains, or any other form of money coming into your household. It should all be taxed the same. I also don't think that money that's already been taxed should be taxed again, i.e. inheritance tax. Anyway, that's the tax part of the budget. And then comes the spending part of our budget. So the spending portion of the U.S. federal budget is typically 12 separate appropriations bills. So that's a tax bill and 12 separate spending or appropriations bills that all need to be passed by September 30th every year. Our fiscal year begins on October 1st. So all 13 parts of the federal budget have to be passed by September 30th or we end up with one of these government shutdowns. We've all seen those where the federal parks close or where the military doesn't get paid or where something happens where somebody's not getting their money because one of these bills didn't get passed by September 30th. What happens an awful lot is a bill doesn't get passed by September 30th, and then the, the House and the Senate get together, and they pass a continuing resolution. A continuing resolution just says, hey, we're going to keep spending at the same levels we have now because we haven't been able to pass the appropriate bill on time. So we'll just keep doing what we're doing now because that's working so good. So when was the last time Congress passed the tax bill and all 12 appropriation bills on time? 1996. That's 23 years ago. In fact, since 1976, Congress has only passed all of the budget bills on time four times. Four out of 43 years they've done it on time. That's a 9% success rate. I'm sorry, but I don't care what your job is. A 9% success rate sucks. And because Congress never looks at the appropriation bills and the tax bills together at the same time, like in a real budget, we end up with budget shortfalls all the time. So we're constantly adding to our deficit. But Congress has a debt ceiling. They're only allowed to spend so much money that we don't have, right? 
Well, of course they have a debt ceiling, but they're Congress. So anytime they run out of credit, they just raise their own debt ceiling. How do you think that would work for the average American household? Oh, I only have $3,000 left on my credit card, but I need to go buy a car that costs $25,000, so I'll just raise my own credit limit. Congress is spending our money, our children's money, our grandchildren's money, and they're raising their own credit limit anytime they want and just keep spending until we're $23 trillion in debt and growing. Just the cost of Congress itself. The salaries of the con congressmen, the staff of the congresspeople, and their offices cost us $708 million a year. That's $708 million just for salaries and office supplies. That works out to be over $2 million a day if they work 365 days a year. But they don't. They only work 200 and something. So you're looking at three, four million dollars a day for the cost of Congress at a cost of over two million dollars a day. You would hope that they could at least be able to pass a simple budget on time every year. And if not every year, you know, at least more than nine percent of the years. OK, so that's kind of how the process works. The president comes up with a tax plan. Congress does whatever they do to the tax plan, and then there are 12 separate appropriations bills, and together the tax plan and the appropriation bills all make up our budget. This sounds like a pretty good time to take a break. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk about what we, the people, have made clear that we want to see from the federal budget process and why Congress, surprise, surprise, hasn't been doing what we want. Remember, like, subscribe, and review Liberty Lighthouse every chance you get. Share it with your friends. We'll be back in just a moment. Okay, now let's talk a little bit about what we the people want regarding the budget from our federal government. A 2018 poll by the Peterson Foundation says that 80% of Americans want our government to spend more time on fiscal responsibility. That breaks down to 82% of Republicans, 85% of Democrats, and 79% of independent voters that all want our federal government to spend more time on the budget process and fiscal responsibilities. Now, why do so many people want our government to spend more time looking at money? Well, Let's see. Congress has raised its own debt ceiling. Remember, that's its credit limit. Congress has voted to raise its own debt ceiling 74 times. That is 74 times that the people we put in Washington to represent us and to spend our tax money have decided that they're going to need more than we're giving them and raised their own credit limit. How does this happen? Well, one way is just waste, um, just simple, obvious spending on stuff that should not be spent at all. The Citizens Against Government Waste, in their 2016 version of their annual publication, estimated that there was $648 billion of potential savings just in 
government waste. $648 billion of waste. Not only that, there's a ridiculous amount of duplicate efforts and duplicate responsibilities within our federal government. One example, duplicate responsibilities, is uh, OSHA, the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, has identical responsibilities to the CDC's National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health. Their mission statements are almost identical. Why are we funding two different government agencies that have the same mission, the same goal, and the same agenda? There are many examples of that in our federal government, where two different groups of people are working on the same project at the same time. The brand new omnibus spending bill that was dropped on the Senate yesterday, or two days ago, or something like that, uh, it funds a study, a government-funded study, on gun control, but yet there's already a study on gun control that's being done by the CDC. So now we're going to have two different studies, both being done and paid for by your tax dollars. That's budgets. That's money that is planned on being spent. What about the money that's spent by Congress that nobody planned for? Nobody planned for the Mueller investigation, for example. And that ended up costing we taxpayers $32 million. And that wasn't in the budget at all. Like I mentioned before, the cost of Congress to we the taxpayers is about $2 million a day. How long did the big push to impeach President Trump go on with the hearings and, and the debates and all of that kind of stuff at a cost of $2 million a day? Again, something that couldn't have been budgeted and planned for. So not only does Congress pass spending bills that far outseed the income they get from our tax dollars, but then they go out and spend money that's not in the budget to begin with. So what about the budget process? Anybody who's ever worked for a big company and had to write a budget probably had the experience that most budgets are based off of last year. So they look at what you had last year and how you came in high or low and what their financial goals are for the year, and they come up with your next year's budget. Well, that's much like Congress. It's much like how our federal budget is done. All of these departments and agencies and sub-agencies are given a budget. And then next year's budget is based off of last year's budget. I have no idea when the last time was that anybody actually looked at the real costs of any of these agencies or the effectiveness of any of these departments, agencies, and sub-agencies. They just keep basing their budget off of last year's numbers never looking to see whether or not they really need all of that money or whether or not these groups are effectively and efficiently spending that money. There was an article in Forbes in December of 2016 where the author of the article suggests a zero-based budget system for our federal government. And what a zero-based budget system is, if you start with zero, your budget number for your department next year is zero. You, as the department head, have to justify every dollar that's going to be given to you in next year's budget. You justify it by showing 
this is how much the electric bill is. This is how much it costs to pay my staff. You want this done, it's going to cost this much money. Start with zero and build your budget based on real numbers. That wouldn't be a bad start, in my opinion. Each department would have to justify all of their sub-departments and agencies and justify every dollar that went to every one of those groups. I, as a taxpaying citizen, would love to see some of those justifications. Another way that I alluded to in uh, episode four of Liberty Lighthouse, another way that we could get our federal spending under control would be to return to the gold standard. With the gold standard, the government can only spend as much money as they have available to print, and they can only print as much as they have in gold reserves. That severely limits how much money the government can spend. Some, many actually, would probably argue that that's a bad thing, that the government can't spend in an emergency because there's not enough money. But it's a second idea. Now I have a third idea, and this one, again, is something that's very popular amongst we the people. And that's the idea of a balanced budget. In fact, it's the idea of a balanced budget amendment to the Constitution that would force Congress to write a balanced budget and stick to that budget every year. And of course, by a balanced budget, I mean they cannot go into debt. They only spend what they have. Now, the idea of a balanced budget strikes fear into a lot of people. Those in Washington, D.C., for sure, but also a lot of economists. A lot of people think that forcing Congress to spend within their means would mean drastic cuts to programs, and some programs just completely disappearing. And it means that emergency spending will be just completely cut off because it can't be budgeted in. Well, some of that is true. But that's okay, because some of the, the uh, programs that would be cut probably shouldn't be federal programs anyway. For the Convention of States project, now I know I've mentioned them before, but the Convention of States project had a mock convention, and one of the, the uh, amendment proposals that they put forth was a balanced budget amendment. But it had a, uh, let's say a relief valve. It had a way where Congress could still have emergency spending if needed. Their proposed uh, balanced budget amendment reads, the public debt shall not be increased except upon a recorded vote of two-thirds of each House of Congress and only for a period not to exceed one year. So, a two-thirds vote in both Houses of Congress allows for debt spending. So in an emergency situation, such as a war, I would assume that two-thirds of the members of both houses would probably authorize debt spending because it's an emergency. The idea here is, yes, debt spending may be necessary once in a while, but it should not be done year after year, every year, for you know, ad nauseum. Like I've said before, if you're interested in the work of the COS project or the Convention of States project, visit them at www 
www.cosaction.com. But sticking with the balanced budget idea, Rasmussen reports that 56% people favor a balanced budget amendment. And ALEC.org reports that 83% favor a balanced budget amendment in their poll. So the reality is probably someplace between those two polls and right smack in the middle would be about 70%. So 70% of Americans wanting a balanced budget amendment, that's a pretty big majority of our citizen, voters, taxpayers. So why is Congress so opposed? Well, let's look at a little bit of history. You know, I like my history. The last time that our Congress was able to pass a balanced budget although late, was 1998. Now, to be fair, there was a budget surplus in 2001, an unplanned surplus. Apparently, there was something wrong in the actual budget. But a balanced budget has not been planned since 1998. That's quite a long time ago. Now, balanced budget proposals, balanced budget amendment proposals have been made in Congress at least four times that I could find in my quick internet search. 1982, 1986, 1995, and 2011. And of course, all were voted out, shot down by Congress. Why is that? so opposed to a balanced budget. Don't they have a balanced budget at home? Are they a gazillion dollars in debt in their personal lives? I kind of doubt it. So why is it okay for them to keep spending our tax money and put our grandchildren in debt? We all know money is power. He who controls the money has all the power. And our current system puts most of that control into the leadership within the two parties at the House and the Senate. And those are the people that have been there for so very long. Let's just say that they know the lobbyists really, really well. Why else would our Congress be so drastically opposed to a balanced budget? Well, a balanced budget would put a serious damper, some major restrictions, if not a complete stop, to some of the most common practices within Washington, like pork. You know what pork is when it comes to a bill? Pork in government refers to unrelated items just being randomly tacked on to unrelated bills. One example of the brand new $1.4 trillion ominous spending bill that was dropped on Senate for with three days to consider before they vote, is the making it a federal law that all tobacco sales be age-restricted to those 21 and over. Whether you agree with the idea or not is not the point here. The point here is, what does the age to purchase tobacco have to do with a spending bill? That is the classic example of pork in Washington, D.C. Happens all the time with almost every bill. Sometimes the pork that gets added onto a bill is so bad that that's what causes the bill not to pass in the first place. 
Sometimes that's even the purpose. They add so much pork to a bill because they don't want the bill to pass. Other times, they add the pork to the bill because it's the only way they can get whatever this piece of pork is passed, is to attach it to something else completely unrelated and hope that we, the people, don't even notice. Another thing that's often tacked on to bills, kind of like pork, just thrown in, whether it's related or not related to the purpose of the bill itself, are earmarks. Earmarks are where individual congressmen carve out chunks of money for their own districts. I'm going to take this $100,000 here, and I'm going to use that to build a bridge back in my district so that my voters can see that I'm working for them, and they love me, and they vote me back up here to Washington where I can have a 50-50 chance of becoming a millionaire if I stay long enough. So a balanced budget amendment takes away Congress's ability to manipulate quite as bad as they do now. It forces them to be a little more accountable with our tax dollars. Personally, I don't care if there's an amendment to the Constitution requiring a balanced budget. I just want people in Washington to work for a balanced budget. And if, even if they can't make it perfectly balanced right away, I at least want them to try. They're not even trying at this point. Every year our debt goes up. Every year but one in my lifetime. One year we had enough money to pay off a little bit of debt. The interest that we pay as a nation on our federal debt is the fastest growing segment of our federal budget. And that is just unacceptable. We have had the world's largest economy since 1871. How do we keep going into debt and giving money to all these other countries how do we continue to take loans when we're this far in debt already? I personally believe that our federal debt is a horrible crisis and can easily be turned into the downfall of our republic and just crush our nation and we become subservient to whoever calls in the chips. We the people need to take back control of our government and one of the reasons why is because our government can't take control of its own purse strings. If you've got anything to add to my Liberty Lighthouse episode here on the federal budget and how broken a system it really is, feel free. Give me a call. 64-MY-RIGHTS. That's 646-974-4487. Tell me what I got right, what I got wrong, and Maybe if you've got better ideas than I do, I'd love to hear them. Next week, we will have our follow-up to this episode. So get those calls to 64 My Rights in so I can include them in the follow-up. And then the following week will be the next new subject here at the Liberty Lighthouse. And I am planning to talk about how, well, how Democrats have become socialists. Republicans have become Democrats. Where does that leave the small government, physically responsible, conservative voters like me. I'll have an article on that subject posted on my blog next week, and then it will become the next topic of Liberty Lighthouse the following week. I guess that's all I have for tonight. Thanks for listening. Until next time, protect your liberties. Once they're gone, 
There is no getting them back. God bless America. Thank you for listening to the Liberty Lighthouse podcast. Be sure to sign up at liberty-lighthouse.com to download my free ebook from the file shares page. Don't forget, call 64 My Rights with your questions, comments, and concerns for the show. That's 646-974-4487. If you enjoyed this podcast, please tell a friend about the Liberty Lighthouse. Whatever platform you're listening from, subscribe, rate, leave a review. It's very much appreciated. Thank you.